Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the darker side of the after show. This is for episode number seven. Who is Roberto Medina? I'm joined by my good pal Lukey, who is on to cover this episode. And I always ask Lukey first and foremost about his initial reactions to this episode. And I am really keen to hear you in a moment, Lukey. But I just cannot fathom how this story hasn't really gained the level of popularity in in an era where true crime is at its highest in terms of the consumption of, you know, the type of documentaries that are out there on like Netflix and things of that nature. It seems to be at its sort of highest consumption rate in terms of what people want to hear and see. And and yet this story has, it's been told a couple of times by various different outlets, but, you know, we've done an in-depth podcast here, Lukey, where we've gone through every little detail we could managed to source for it and we've got all this information and all these questions that remain unanswered with this episode in terms of Roberto Medina but ultimately it's a story that I know you weren't too familiar with so I'm always curious to to know how you've interpreted this individual and and the things that happened throughout this individual's life. Boxing attracts some strange people very some very I'll put it like this. I was in a boxing gym this week. There's no need to say what one. And you look around the room and listening to the story, I go, is there one guy in this room that's going to turn out with a crazy type of story? That's where my mind is, is that boxing, unlike any other sport, has some really strange stories and really strange characters. Roberto Medina was a strange character indeed. We covered this episode, Luke, we talked about his origins. We talked about how he essentially used a new name, as in Roberto Medina, to be able to forge a new path in his life, having had some earlier transgressions throughout the course of his early to late teenage years. And it seems like, at the time, when you go through the the timeline of his story, that he turns his life around for a good period of time. I mean, he's in the St. Pete's Boxing Club for a long period of time. He's seen as a role model to kids. You know, they don't really question his past. You know, they leave his past behind him. And it's only because of 
that one particular incident where he fights Meldrick Taylor when he's up and coming, where he's actually then noticed uh, by police because of a tip by a disgruntled ex-partner of Roberto Medina's. So the fact that he gets to this level where he fights a, an Olympian in Meldrick Taylor is really the pinnacle of Roberto Medina's boxing career, per se. But it's that moment that actually his past does come back to haunt him. And from there on out, I think it is really a downward slope for him uh, because we go through this timeline of Roberto Medina having this issue um, coming outside of the ring, then he's getting involved in things that he shouldn't be getting involved in. And then there's reports of him then in the 90s being charged for a bank robbery, yet there were six bank robberies committed in the same fashion in and around the same area at the same time, but yet he was only charged for one of those. And then when you get to the late 90s, early 2000s, all of a sudden this report gets surfaced about a retrospective attempted murder and sexual assault on a woman in the late 1980s. It turns out Roberto Medina was the person that convicted, committed this crime at that time. And then I think what, what gets even worse about the whole story is then he is then in the area around the same time where two old age pensioners are subsequently murdered in the same fashion, in the same MO, and Roberto Medina never gets charged for any of them, although one of the detectives on the case actually goes on telly and says, we've got our guy, it's Roberto Medina, and he actually puts him out right out there as the guy that did it, but he was never, never convicted of those particular crimes, so... That, in a snapshot, is kind of the timeline of Roberto Medina. And, like, it's a lot to digest. But going through all this, what did you make of these incidents, his life, the uh, murders, the attempted murder that he was charged for as well, the sexual assault? Did it make you then automatically point to his direction when these other murders were uncovered? Or did you think it could have just been coincidence i mean i'm really curious to know like how you interpret these types of things that go on so i skew to a negative typically as you probably know because now that you know me so well you go how are you feeling which typically means you skew to the negative people don't ask people that are genuinely happy all the time that um i don't believe in coincidences i don't believe things just randomly happen i think that that's called a pattern and i think that this is very concerning that something egregious and awful had happened and then it popped up around him and it seems like there was a lot of suspicion. Once again, selfishly, I'll just speak to my own experience. Listening to this story made me worry, wonder how many Roberto Medinas are in the gym and though boxing is having a positive outlook on their life, how many people in the gyms that I'm in might turn into a Roberto Medina or these type of stories carry on. And that this is, even though this is a story we've heard, how, how prevalent is this story in the boxing community is what, what my mind kind of went to. I think what's concerning about this whole story is that it now makes you question whether or not, like you say, you could be around a certain amount of boxers on a weekly basis like yourself when you're doing your different projects and it can really make you wonder like what type of past have some of these guys got because let's be honest unless you get to know them personally and spend time with them personally outside of the projects that maybe you're involved in how well do you really know these people i mean 
it's it's quite scary to think that someone like Roberto Medina was able to get by for a number of years, and as I said earlier, was looked up to like an idol, and then his past really didn't come to the forefront until a few years down the line. It's it's the art of deception. It's essentially, he deceived so many people. And I think what was crazy as well was that even after he'd been arrested for escaping prison and because he'd built up such a, a good reputation with people and he had not essentially committed a crime since he'd escaped from prison, people helped him get out of prison earlier. They, they campaigned for him to get out of prison because all they saw was him at that time and not the guy he once was so he was ultimately helped to be freed from prison and his jail sentence slightly cut as a result of of people in his life at the time helping him do that and then when you hear later on down the line the crime he does go on to commit uh, which he's dealt with retrospectively then you think look at what all those people did for him and then look at how much of a piece of shit he becomes as a result of of people going into that art of deception, being deceived by somebody like him, who ultimately goes on to commit a horrendous crime, goes on to commit further crimes, and then is potentially being put down as a suspect for even more heinous crimes. And I mean, I don't really believe in coincidences either, but it's hard to really sit here and, and say on an episode that you know this is the guy that's done it, because we haven't got evidence to suggest that he has, but... The information and the MOs and the patterns, as you rightly pointed out, it's very eerily similar to, to what he was doing and what he was actually convicted for previously. Although his victim wasn't murdered, he, he, he stopped, he didn't carry on. He kind of got startled, gets out of there, doesn't fully carry out what potentially he may have carried out on other people. And it, it's scary. And it's scary to think that there is a lot of people within the sport of boxing now that do we really know who they are? Well, I think that you hit on two things and one thing why I enjoy being on this show so much. And now I'm doing the Sergio Mora thing. And it's probably because I look up to Sergio where I'm putting over the host when I come on the platform, but is that we're both fact-based people. So a lot of people might word, word fight with you, lip wrestle with you, say a bunch of words but I don't want to condemn someone if the facts aren't there. I'm just going to simply, like you said, if there's a pattern and it's a coincidence, let's take that into account. Let's not condemn and convict. But that's something that we need to say, hey, that could have happened. I, I've been saying this for a long time and I don't feel like people listen to me. Boxing attracts some people who are really strange. Some people who could be serial killers. Some people who are very violent. Some people who maybe don't have empathy for other people can find themselves in the sport of boxing. And those people tend to figure out a way to slip through the cracks. Serial killers don't get caught easily without modern technology because they go to work. They're anonymous. They don't stand out. What I'm basically saying is boxing allows some weird individuals to hide in plain sight. It does. And I think it, it kind of takes us a little bit away from Roberto Medina for a moment and it kind of focuses on this whole conversation around what boxing can actually facilitate at times. Look at the show that we're covering. Look at what me and Johnston do for the main show. I mean, this is our third season. We're coming towards the end of it. 
But essentially, by the time we've finished this third season, there's around 36 different stories, 36 different episodes, where you can probably say more than half of them stories surround somebody within the boxing world that has been facilitated by this sport in some way, shape or form, and then has ended up going on to either on be, be, be sort of untimely you know go through an untimely demise or they've actually committed a heinous crime and when you look at it like that it really attests to, to what you're saying and what i'm agreeing with you on which is boxing is facilitating some strange characters within it and we truly don't know unless you can sit and, and live with this individual and be around this individual 24-7, we can never truly know who these people really are. And it's only when something happens like this, like a story like Roberto Medina's, where you'll sit back and go, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. What the hell's gone on here? Look at all the cases we've covered over the years. There's some, been some really high-profile, prolific cases. Going back to season one, Arturo Gatti. You look at Carlos Monzon's case in the late 80s. You look at the fact that we had Edwin Valero's case as well during the 2000s. I think it's 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 eerily very scary that boxing really does facilitate a lot of these people. And, you know, it makes you then wonder, well, what would have happened to these people if they were not in boxing? Would they have then gone on to commit crimes anyway? You just you just don't know, but it really does get the brain and the thought process working about it. But putting it like that, Lukey, when you say 36 episodes, 36 stories, the majority of them are regarding characters like a Roberto Medina or, or worse, it's quite a scary fact, isn't it? Well, and what I wanted to bring up too is how many people do we excuse behavior you and me wouldn't excuse in the workplace because they're a boxer hector camacho doing camacho time macho time like if he did that at work you'd be like dude this guy's gonna get fired if someone's yelling and saying all this crazy stuff like i i think the world of bullet rolly's coach but he says murder 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 kill 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 this is a saying he does when they're training in boxing there's a lot of things in boxing that we look at as okay this is a way to cause motivation get you amped up because what you're doing is you're going to war People never think about boxing as war, but the, I think the reason most fighters have a father in their corner is they're basically being led to, to war, to do battle, to fight for their family's honor and to change their life. The We often overlook the obvious, which are the social cues of how we would view anyone outside of a boxing gym, because what we're doing is we're willingly becoming participants in post-traumatic stress disorder, and this is the life we've chose. But I do grapple with this because I think in my empathy to understand the plight of a boxer, I often overlook the obvious of this dude is really strange. Well, you look at how many lives boxing has saved. It's definitely saved more lives than, than what it's created or facilitated individuals like a Roberto Medina over the years. But because of the narrative of the show, it just seems strange doesn't it it seems strange when you really sit back and think about it how many characters within this sport have gone on to 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 do something bad do something potentially evil within their lives and it is quite scary but then you've got to try and balance that out because how many lives does boxing save it really does save a hell of a lot more lives than it does facilitate those individuals to go on and commit these crimes and you think about it 
what these crimes are are really heinous crimes. Like Roberto Medina's crimes were, were pretty heinous. So would he have done that anyway? Well, yeah, because the story tells us that. We found this information from really before he became a boxer about what he was doing. So he was always going to go down that route and boxing d- didn't really save him. It might have temporarily put that hold on the type of person he was and maybe he thought he could change into a better person and ultimately his demons, his inner demons, that inner evil within him came out again when an opportunity presented itself. So I think there are characters out there that get into this sport, they try to make a change for the better for the majority of the time, it works for fighters. And in the Duke one, they earn a decent amount of money and they can go forward and, and, and live their lives. Some of them don't earn a decent amount of money and go into a normal, regular nine-to-five job. But that doesn't mean they go out and commit a crime like that. What happens is you get these types of individuals with no consciences, with no empathy, with this this terrible upbringing or or quite bad upbringing which has sort of led them to go and make these really poor choices in life and there's some that just go to the extreme of committing these these really heinous crimes and I think what what we're trying to sort of put out there is that boxing does facilitate some really good things within it but then it also has that minority of individuals that get within it that try to make a better life for themselves but ultimately they just cannot shake who they are as an individual and I suppose what I'm asking to you now is like can boxing really change a bad person can it really do it yes because I've seen it I've seen it work more often than not but the person that I'm always most, I wouldn't say afraid of because I'm not afraid of things, right? Because fe- I don't allow terrorism or fear to dictate my life. I live on my own terms and I don't let people bully me. That being said, the person that I find the most troubling are the people that enter boxing with the mindset of, I want to beat someone up or I want to hurt someone. Those are the people that genuinely come and a lot of people say things like that but they they grapple with it in their own head right so they'll say i want to hurt someone but a lot of it's projecting their own inner fears onto i don't want to get beat up there are some people that come into the sport they kind of have this really bully mentality and those people tend to be the hardest to change because they're not interested in the science of the sport they're interested in being respected putting fear into others and there's not really like a happy ending in that because this is a sport that has a beginning middle and end and the end is never really like you at the top being this um feared person it's typically you coming down from the mountain and that tends to spiral those type of guys into a strange third act so when we say actions speak louder than words then when it comes down to this sport You've got people like Deontay Wilder, who's a good example of somebody who would openly go on a radio show or a podcast and sit there and say, I want a body on my record. And he, what he's saying is he wants to kill somebody in the ring. And that I think just... that's fear. I think that's fear with him. But I don't think he's a bad guy. That's the thing. I don't see him as a bad guy because I see that as he that is his facade. Whereas there's some people... And I think it's more the strong, silent types that are the more ones I worry about. Like the ones yes. that wouldn't necessarily say these things, 
But ultimately, you can see it within them. The body language tells you this. You can see by the way they're actively trying to continue to hurt the other individual. It goes past the point of sport and it becomes to the point where this man is or woman is is single-handedly trying to kill this person in the ring and you can, you've seen fights like this i've seen them i've seen these fights where you think oh my god this person is relentless and you can't sit there and say oh well it's the emotion of the fight sometimes there are moments where you think wow hang on a minute why is this person really trying to inflict so much punishment on an individual and i suppose people's perception of boxing it's different. I mean, boxers themselves can even sit there and say, well, why do you get in this hurt business if you, you're not willing to get hurt? You get comments like that from people, but then you get those that are in it for the art form of what boxing is all about, is to, to hit and not be hit. So what what attracts people to it? Is it just sheer violence? Is it people that are attracted to violence want to be within a violent setting and a violent sport? Is that why you see those people in like MMA and, and these this bare knuckle that's taken off as well? You know, like the bare knuckle sort of leagues and stuff that are taken off. To me, that's just sheer violence. That's just violent people wanting to be violent. I don't understand, you know, I feel like the art form goes away when you start to go into something like a bare knuckle and i'm not going to say mma is an example of that because it's not because there is a lot of skill involved within mma because of the different techniques and the different disciplines that you have to learn to be an mma fighter but i see something like a bare knuckle come along and i think well that's just promoting people that maybe can't be successful within boxing but are really violent violent individuals that want to actually inflict that level of punishment on somebody i think alone is alone and I think that's the big thing is I think boxing, MMA, bare knuckle, it, we all, at least most people that get into boxing, whether you're media or the fighters, something had to have not worked in life. You know, you don't willingly come into a fringe sport that's so messed up. So like if you're a, a boxer, something didn't work in your life, right? you know there's there's other sports you could do that something didn't work if you're doing bare knuckles something really didn't work doing mma something didn't work boxing is never really plan a and if it's plan a you're probably cuckoo right because it's like it might not work and what's the backup plan so i mean i think that that's the big issue is to do this you have to be so delusional because it's not really achievable and it's one of the hardest things to not just go through but to witness as someone that loves people that are actively competing in the sport it's one of the most draining things that's ever happened in my life is to watch people i care about get beat up and there's nothing i can do about it so we're going off tangent a little bit because we're talking about boxing in general now but the whole story of medina really just sits into the whole conversation about how boxing has some really strange characters in it and he's certainly one of them and he certainly goes in that list of, of very violent people who who maybe used this art form and this sport to be able to f facilitate that violence because you look at the crimes that he committed and I know I've gone on about this a couple of times but you know, he's committed some serious crimes there. And yet, you know, this guy is 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 a lot he's an old man now, but he's he's out, he's free, he's living his life, and yet he's was able to commit various heinous crimes. And you know, when we had this episode a couple of weeks ago when we talked about 
Tim Doc Anderson serving life and, and life in that particular state means life with no parole. Like you see these, these different types of crimes that happen and people are allowed to sort of come out and then you see people like Tim who, who, who kind of was by every single person's account was a nice individual who never really had a bad bone in his body type guy and that's what all the people around said about him yet he had this moment of madness where he felt compelled to do something like he did with the Rick Parker incident and yet it sent him down for life but then you get people like Roberto Medina who's clearly been bad to the bone from day one and yet he commits some relatively heinous crimes but he's allowed to live life as a free man even at his later stage of his life it doesn't make no sense to me like how how these things can be so contrasting with different individuals it really doesn't oftentimes we sit here and go well boxing doesn't make sense you know boxing doesn't make sense compared to other sports I'd say life doesn't make sense. And part of why I'm drawn to boxing is because of how little life makes sense to me. And I've just embraced that. And I think the this story basically shows that life isn't fair. All things are not equal. Yeah, I think that's a good way of uh, of saying it, really, with uh, with this particular episode and, and this particular character that we are covering for this after show. And, you know, I'm interested to always hear the thoughts of others, though everybody that listens to the main show and this after show, it's always really interesting to hear from you. It's like when we talked about the Tim Anderson story in particular, someone dropped a comment on YouTube about, you know, how in certain states, as we were talking about in that episode, how certain states will say life uh, in prison without parole and that's kind of what happened to Tim Anderson that's why he's still there but I never can understand that and then you get characters like this guy is in Roberto Medina who really didn't achieve anything as such in his boxing career his claim to fame he's obviously fighting Meldrick Taylor and then getting arrested after it and then all this other stuff being uncovered but you, you just get some really contrasting characters within this sport and I think that's kind of the theme the overarching theme of what this episode has been about. Whilst we've touched on the story of Roberto Medina and, and some of the bad things that he's done, what it's really led to is a conversation about how boxing really can attract the most strangest of characters within it. And and sometimes they don't always go noticed and they can go unnoticed for a certain period of time until something really bad happens. I mean, there's certain people that we're yet to cover which uh which probably people have said oh why have you not covered this yet there's certain people we're yet to cover on this show which we plan to and you just think you know these these people are just absolutely despicable individuals but yet before before all this you wouldn't have known any the wiser that these people were that way and it is absolutely crazy how it can just take something one incident one moment one one bad piece of luck in their lives that'll change their perspective forever and it'll lead them to go and commit really bad crimes and and then end up in this position where they're just being publicized by some and glorified by others i mean it's it's tricky right because the way the algorithms work for your channels right if you made a show called the gooder side of boxing the brighter side of boxing how fewer people will listen because they don't want to hear stories of good because they're trying to live a life of good. The sad thing is our deepest, darkest secrets tend to be what we want to listen to because it's the life we choose not to live. It's the things we don't want. 
And I think that the problem is oftentimes in boxing, we put the microscope on the bad. And I, what I appreciate about this program is you're telling this story, but you're not glamorizing this story. You're you're keeping it $100. You're keeping it one big dollar bill flat. And you're being honest with the people. You're telling the death and the, and the de- depression and all of that. And I think that that's the, the tough part with social media content is people and the consumer tend to jump to the crap or the bad stuff and not the substance because the substance takes time and people want to consume it like fast food. I eat it and then I get through it. And that's just a product of this environment. It is. And I think the thing with what we do and what you assist us with doing is trying to to, to sort of bring this an informative and factual based show like rather than sit here and and i mean johnston at times can get quite passionate and quite emotional that's him as an individual and you know he can drop a few square words into the show and he doesn't necessarily mean to do that but it just his emotion takes over and that's because of his morals he's a good individual human being and a and because of that, when you get a story about an individual like a Roberto Medina or previously like a Tony Ayala, they're really difficult stories to present because you you wind up sort of really despising these individuals. And the show isn't about glamorising what these people have done. It's never been about glamorising. It's about informing people. Like, you know, you love this sport. You you follow this sport. You You see what goes on. Do you really know what goes on sometimes behind the scenes and outside of the ring? How the other side of this this life works in the sport? And I think this is kind of why we started it out. We love true crime ourselves and we love this sport. And to bring the two together kind of gives you these moments, this sort of, this taboo content where people are listening to it thinking, oh, he was a bad guy, you know, oh, he was a terrible individual. But at the same time, you're compelled by it because you're thinking, what was going through these people's minds when they, when these things were happening and and i think that's kind of the intrigue for me as a human being is is like i wonder why like these people did this stuff why, what what compelled them to do it and why did they want to do it and that's because i'm just a normal average human being with normal average morals who can't really fathom what goes into the mindset of some of these individuals so it's it is always good to 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 cover this because you know, you're doing it from a perspective where you try to be objective and, and not glamorise anybody involved. Uh, if anything, you want to actually make sure that the victims' names are never left out and the people that have been subjected to some of these crimes are no longer with us. You know, they're not forgotten about because as time goes on, they do get forgotten about, unfortunately. And I think that's one of the other things we like to do is make sure that the victims of those individuals and i.e. Roberto Medina in this instance don't get forgotten about their names get mentioned that's why it's important for us to do that we could sit there and do yeah Roberto Medina sexually assaulted some individual or Roberto Medina was linked to the individual's x and y instead we get the factual information and we tell people the story and we say look these are the victims these are the victims names this is what happens to them not not to glorify him but to make sure that they're not forgotten about. So it is very, very important that that stays part and parcel of, of what we do because otherwise we'd essentially just be glorifying these individuals and that's not the aim of the show. And 
you know, I hope that people listening understand that from from our side and obviously from your side, Lukey. We, you know, you, you give a really interesting take on these episodes because what you do is you are able to then bring this sort of level-headedness and, and relate some of these moments to your own personal experiences and, and how you've dealt with these and how you would deal with these situations. And it's always great to get that perspective on things. So a big thank you to you, as always, for bringing that, that different element to to this show. But that that's pretty much it for the chat of, of this episode. And what I wanted to do before we called time on it, Lukey, was just bring to the attention of the listeners what's happening next week. So next week's episode is titled The Life and Crimes of John Morrissey, bare-knuckle boxing champion, New York gangster, Irish-American politician. Luke, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know who John Morrissey is? No, I know who John Morrison is, and I know who Morrissey, the lead singer of the Smiths, is, but I have no clue when you put these names together. I have no clue what that means. So John Morrissey is someone who... American historians will look upon in different ways. Some of them look up on him in a favourable way. Some will look upon him as, nah, he wasn't the man he should have been. He's been glamorised. This is a, the glamorisation of someone like him might seem a bit strange to some individuals. But I think what people are in for in this next episode is actually you get the understanding of an Irish immigrant who comes over to America looking for the American dream in the 1800s. And life is just so much different to what it was going into the next century and how things change and the technological developments that change. He lived in a time where literally New York was like the film and John Morrissey and some of the characters in this story who lived in this time actually inspired that film, Gangs of New York. So ahead of the next episode... If you haven't heard about John Morrissey's story as yet and you want to kind of get a feel for what we're going to be telling you with real people involved, go and watch that film again if you've not already seen it, Gangs of New York with Leonardo DiCaprio and Liam Neeson. It really does give you a feel for for what this story is all about when you listen to it. And it is a bumper episode. It's two and a half hours long. But you want to hear the stories that are in there. It is such a different dynamic to what we've covered before and it's certainly staying in the theme of this season which means every single episode is a different theme completely so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to going through it with you lukey because there'll be a bit of american history involved in it and and maybe the stuff that you actually don't know in here maybe the stuff you already know which i think will be uh, really good so i'm looking forward to that next week i uh, hope everybody else looks forward to it uh lukey i'm just gonna give you a final say then on roberto medina but just before we end this episode just kind of sum it up as quickly as you can like Roberto Medina in your mind I'll end it philosophically we always remember the perpetrator we never remember the victim we always remember the serial killer we don't remember those that were the victims of the circumstance of it and I think that's a shame absolutely and it just bleeds into what I was saying earlier about the fact that we make sure them victims names if possible can be talked about and mentioned because it's so important they don't get forgotten about and I hope that people really do understand and can, can kind of resonate and respect that. That is exactly why we do it. Not to glamorise our podcast, not to get extra views. We actually do it because it, at the end of the day, these people were victims of crimes. And it's important that they get recognised as individuals and human beings that once walked the same planet you did. 
So there you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, please do let us know on social media at darker underscore side underscore pod. Or you can find us on any other platform at the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. If you want to follow Lukey in ITR Boxing, you can do that by following him at Lukey Boxing on Twitter. Or subscribe to ITR Boxing's YouTube channel. Go and see all the great content Lukey's doing. And if you want to go even one step further, go to the OnlyFans account for ITR Boxing. Doing some really good premium content and documentaries on there. Uh, and that is everything for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, to, for listening to this episode of The Darker Side of the After Show. Podcast Network.